This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatani by Muera Karatai. Kia ora, Muera. Kia ora, Sam. Kei te pai. I hear it's wet there. It is actually really wet, and we've got a rain warning for tonight, which is kind of good because it's going to make the ground soft, and hopefully it'll stay soft for my planting in the weekend. This weekend is plant the, plant the summer garden weekend. That sounds good, so long as it stops raining. Uh, it better. Yeah. But, Unless... um, I just read on. I read today that we are um, going to have the hottest November on record. You'd better get stuff in and well mulched up to keep it to keep it all moist then. And who are we introducing today? It is my very great pleasure to introduce uh, educator, deputy principal from Trident High School, um, specialising in teaching and learning, the very wonderful Tui McCall. Welcome, Tui. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, kia ora, kia ora Mawera, kia ora Sam. Kia ora, Tui. Where here. are you, Tui? Um, oh, in Ohana Aui Te Pito o Te Ao, so I live in the centre of the universe. It's a very large place, densely populated. It's Kutarere. Uh, if you were to drive past it, you probably wouldn't even notice that you'd gone through it. It's a, There's a little marae, there's um, what used to be a shop that back in the 70s and 80s and um a nice little country school that sounds nice where have i been there apparently i have (laughs) you have sam you've been there well you've been through there (laughs) yeah you would have been through there yeah so we we live on the edge of the um ohiwa harbour i guess people might know where ohiwa is maybe and we've been asking people how their life in their bubbles has been. Of course, that's gotten more complicated as time has gone on. So let's go back to last year. How was bubble life last year? For me? For me, yeah, for oh, it was it was quite, it, it was good. There were some really idyllic, amazing places. I don't know what it would be like living in a town where you're all there in each other's um, space. Like we... We're on the edge of the harbour, so our backyard was the harbour. So we got to go out floundering and getting pippies and um, oysters, fishing. Um, there's always, because we're rural, there's always work to be done. So we got quite a lot of um, bush scrub cut and um, got to work around the place and get things done. So that, that part of it was really great. Got to really, um, oh, you, you know, these like fruit trees. It's a, it was a perfect time for all the fruit. So we had tamarillos and um, um, all sorts of yummy, delicious fruit and mushrooms we were picking every morning. We'd go out and pick mushrooms and 
Um, so it was a really great time to be connected as a whanau. And then on the on the flip side, I guess, in terms of the work side of things, it was pretty pretty um, challenging at times. Um, so also where we live, we don't we're not on the grid, so we don't have any power. We're not connected to power. We have a a generator that we run at night for the lights, but otherwise it's pretty. Um, yeah, so when you're, you're expected to be on Zooms and uh, Google Meet, you kind of have to ration the battery of your laptop and then, uh, you know, then someone has to run out and turn the generator on just to charge my um, laptop to get an extra half an hour out of it for another meeting or, or something like that. So balancing, you know, ha- having to do your, your mahi online as well as with um, spending time with your family. I guess for everybody it was quite a, a good connecting time but also challenging and new ways you had to learn new ways of doing things new ways of connecting with each other uh at the time we had uh so my daughter who's 18 uh living with us so she'd oh she'd come back home because of covid lockdown um wanted to be here so yeah so there was a lot of us in a, in a, in a smaller space but lots of room to get away from each other here and there um yeah so i did and- quite like lockdown am i allowed to say that and and deputy principal at Trident High School. So you were working mm-hmm. during the lockdown. Were mm-hmm. you actively teaching or, or is your job more about organising all the other teachers? Oh, both. Yeah, both. So I teach last year. Uh, what was I teaching last year? Uh, health. So I teach senior health. Um, so yeah, so the and 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 junior classes as well. So it was yeah, there was the expectation I had to carry on doing my own classes, but also, um, you know, making sure that staff were reassured that they were okay, supporting staff in their own bubbles as well as supporting students. So, and one of our pastoral, so my pastoral role at that time, I was overviewing year eleven, so I rang every Fano in our year 11 cohort just to just to check in um you know especially at the start of lockdown it and it was really interesting it was just like you know how are you in your bubble kind of conversation and the family were just like oh they haven't done any work and I'm like I'm not ringing about the work I just we just want to check how you are you know is there anything that we can do to help um you know how are you you know you're a parent you're in a bubble um sometimes it was quite interesting. Sometimes you were having conversations with, with an adult who had six children at home. Your partner was an essential worker. Um, they were trying to homeschool. They were trying to keep sane. You know, and, and it was sometimes you were just a voice at the end of the phone letting them know it's okay. How can we help? You know, what can we do to make it easier? And it wasn't about the schoolwork or the pressure to be keeping up with the schoolwork. It was just about how do you keep yourself sane? How do you support your kids? to not kill each other off, um, you know, yeah, just, just normal human being stuff, eh? If we had said six months before that, that with a couple of weeks warning, you're going to be teaching entirely online, entirely remotely, you would have said yeah. that, don't be silly, of course we're not, <clears throat> that's impossible. Well, it's interesting <laughs> that you say that. Um, when one of my roles, when I first got it, got to Trident was to support the move to uh, more digital platforms so um, looking at the technology that we were using how we were using it um, and also looking at the way in which we were using it so um, you know they sometimes talk about that um, SAMA model I'm not sure if you know what that is where they have a you know if you're moving online 
you have a subset, you know, S's for substitution. So you're just doing the same stuff, but you're substituting it onto online, you know, and so it goes all the way up to where you're actually integrating um, the way that you're teaching to be responsive and students are engaging on their own with the platforms that you're utilizing, you know, researching, creating these amazing digital presentations, that sort of stuff. Um, and so when I first got to Trident, there was some, some pretty well-established routines around how we teach. And this is the way I've taught for a while. And this is what I'll always do. And don't come at me with your googly classroom and your googly docs you want me to share with people. You know, like and there's a scale. Like some people are just like really adaptive, loving it. And they've got hyperlinked docs and they're doing all sorts of cool flash whiz-bang things all the way to the other end. So part of my job in that previous six months was actually working with staff to upskill them to say this is what we're expecting and even before we went into the lockdown we were saying uh, at the start of that year you know every class must have a google classroom every teacher must be uploading work onto the google classroom we want to promote anytime ubiquitous eh? anytime anywhere learning learning doesn't just happen in the classroom kids do it whenever they you know when it suits them in their daytime um, and we had a big push around trying to develop student agency and so student agency is about letting the students be in charge of their learning and have options to be able to make decisions, not just about, am I going to put it as a PowerPoint or a Google slide, but um, actually, what's the, what's the topic? How can I, you know, if, um, so for my health class, as an example, um, the topic we were doing is uh, real life heroes. And so they had to choose somebody that they thought was a real life hero, interview them, write a health report on them and then create a magazine article on their resilience and how they got through this difficult time in their life. So students were able to pick who they wanted, how they wanted to do it. You know, like there was a lot of options and choice. And because they were able to do that, they're more motivated to do it. And there was less of me going, do you work, do you work, do you work? <laughs> and more of, the, more of me going, so how do you think, you know, what's the best way for you to present that? Or, um, <clears throat> you know, what's the strategy that they use and, and why do you think it was effective? rather than having to, you know, like be that grumpy, do it like this and, and be in control of them all the time. And it was really amazing. So for our staff, i oh, sorry, I went off track, didn't I? So for our staff, um, I think we were able to signal pretty well, but there were still those that were resistant that were like, oh, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. I'm just going to do what I absolutely have to. And then the week before lockdown, um, our principal was pretty awesome. So her husband is a doctor uh, who does quite a lot of consultancy work across New Zealand. So he had sort of said to her, this is a real thing, it's coming, you guys need to be prepared. So that was the week, maybe two weeks before. So we actually um, shut school early for a few days. So we'd have the kids until lunchtime and send them home and then have a longer staff meeting. And we were like, right, has everybody got their Google Classroom set up? Have you done this? Have you done this? So we had a lot of sort of, well, we had about four days, I think, four of those days where we prepped staff for that. So that when it actually came, and, and, then, we, and then we had, um, so we had a lot of extra PLD for the teachers. And then we had the, um, we alter, altered our timetable. On the Friday before we went into lockdown, we altered our timetable and said, right, you've set, you've set yourselves up. Now we want to make sure all your kids can access it. So we got all the kids in accessing the online, making sure they had, if they had any questions, practicing in the same classroom, 
they were like certain teachers were like okay no one's allowed to talk to anybody and we're going to do our lesson so they had to email or they had to google meet or they had to send chats to each other and and it was a good practice run because who knew that that following monday everybody was getting the call to go home stay home let's squeeze in the first of your music choices let's have stan walker tour Um, why this one My my eight year old sings it all the time. <laughs> That's probably why. But it's also I love it because it's about being bigger and better than what you know, like staying connected to who you are, setting goals and reaching for the stars. Mm-hmm. Kafakaro no mai ki aui kore kore ana Kafakaro ake hea te aha E kore no aeta hiere reke Kya maki o paito fichi Aqua te kokei E mana nui tote aki Hea te fakaro ichi Chiro ki tsua tsua rae Pokaro no kinawa yoro toe, kai wehi te wehe nai toa wa, tiro ki tsua, tiro ki tsua, tsua. You're saying that in the first lockdown in March through whenever it was, May last year, that mm-hmm. your, your your teachers and your, and your students, you're, you're focusing on it not just being, here is my 
ordinary classes remotely, but it was more of a sort of, I don't know if you described it as problem-based, but, but certainly that student agency um, approach. Mm-hmm. When you went back to face-to-face, and when did you go back to face-to-face? Was it June, early June, whenever it was? Uh, late May, early June, yeah. yeah. Did, did some of those practices stick? Had, had you actually um, had that actually helped us, the school move on? I think so. My my personal opinion is, yes, I think so. When we came back from lockdown, we actually did a survey of um, 10% of our student population, um, representative sample of each year level, um, and to talk about how things were for them around their learning and what they wanted to continue, you know, what were the aspects of lockdown that they, in terms of their learning, that they enjoyed and that they would like to see continued at school. And the majority um, the majority of them came back saying, well, especially the seniors, probably less the juniors, more the seniors, came back saying that they loved being able to be flexible and adaptable in the way they structured their day. You know, so um, a couple of examples, but one that sticks in my mind is, um, so for my year 12 class, you know, they were saying, they loved that they could get up at lunchtime. Um, that the work had been loaded on Monday, so it was all there, so they could see for the week what they had to work on. They could schedule their own day and time frame. They'd get up at lunchtime, you know, hang out a bit with the family, and then sit down in the afternoon and then get started on their work. And they might work through to, you know, late o'clock at night with breaks in between. But once they were doing, say, if they were doing maths, they would stay in with maths until they'd finished that part of it rather than a bell ringing and then you've got to go and switch on to another one and then another bell rings and you've got to switch into another subject so that was that came back really strongly with our students so when they came back we did trial 100 minute periods and having you know having the longer periods and um and even when they came back we what i really like about what we did as a school was that we didn't expect them to come back full throttle so, you know, I think it was like a Monday when they came back. So we'd have the seniors on the Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then the juniors on the Tuesday and the Thursday. Um, so we had a sort of a bit of a revolving timetable and we did the 100-minute periods um, for the seniors and then shorter periods for the juniors. And it was great because you could connect with the kids. You know, you'd been away from each other for so long. So the first, you know, 25 half an hour it was just catching up yeah. and being able to see how, how how they were and because you had various levels of um engaging engaging in the learning you could see like for like in my own class i could see that there were ones that i'd had constant contact with and i knew they were up to date and where they were and then there were others that i hadn't heard much from maybe the odd email here and there and then so i was like okay so i need to support you with that, but I also need to extend you with that. So just having that um, time to not have, you know, hundred, uh, you know, an hour period. You're in there. Hi, how are you doing? That's great. Now you're doing this. You're doing that. Right? Okay. So you need this now. You need this now. You know, you just rush, rush, rush. Whereas this was just a lot more relaxed and a lot of a, a, a lot easier um, coming back to be able to say, right, how am I going to adjust my plans for the rest of this year? based on where my students are at and what support they need. because it, And it was also coming back, and this was the first change 
or opportunity for our staff because I think in the past that had real um, structured programs. So term four, week two, I can tell you exactly what we're going to be doing. But with this, they were like, oh, well, that's out the window. I'm going to have to <laughs> actually just go from where my kids are at and step that. Actually, I might just take that out altogether because, you know, why rush them through that? We're going to take that out. We're going to, and because NCA, uh, NZQA, um changed a lot you know like they said it was only 12 credits rather than 14 to get ue which meant that some senior 13s could pull out a whole standard that they didn't need to push the kids through now and they could concentrate on getting higher quality grades rather than pushing them through just to get the number of credits that they needed um so that was really cool and that's carried on with our staff this year is that you know they've had to go back again and like at the start of this year and go, well, actually, I know now that everything's back to normal and we're supposed to have 14 credits, I probably don't need to do the, I probably don't need to do the 16 or 18 that I was doing. I might actually just pull that back and, and, you know, just, it just, it's, it's just a little, it's, it might be a slight change, but for our school at that, this time, I think it's actually quite a big change because now we're asking staff to adapt again, <laughs> especially with the latest lockdown closer to the exam timetable. So for, scary. for the kids that are in year 13 at the moment, their yep. last two years of high school have been seriously mucked about. Are they going to be okay? Mm. Yeah. Um, I can definitely say there's been a lot. I, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I can't say it definitively yes or no. I, I want to say yes because I believe our kids are resilient. You know, as we know, they've had to deal with a lot more than what we would have been able to manage I think at that age um, but at the same time there's a lot more pressure on them um, this year we've had so many of our year 13s drop off early um, and that's been you know Fakatane thinking about our demographic um, those that are already fighting and battling challenges are, that's been exacerbated so, and that, you know, I'm talking about families, you know, middle of the road income kind of families where um, their incomes come down now. And, you know, like I, I'm one father that I, I talked to this year, earlier this year, and he, he said he's just struggling, you know, before lockdown last year, um, he was earning mega bucks. He had a business. Um, he could afford, you know, they were doing pretty well. And then his business has just gone, you know, a belly up with the lockdowns and he's, really struggling um his kids have struggled because they've had to monitor you know change their whole lifestyle from what it was they're now so conscious of dad not having money um the oldest son has left school and has gone to work to help support the family the younger son um you know like his friendship groups have have been challenged because he can't do what he would have used you know, usually done with his friends because there's not the financial income to be able to do that. So, so that's that's pretty hard when we see when I see our year thirteens um, who are going to have to have that much more of a battle to get to the pathway that would have been so easily accessible to them previously. Not easily accessible, but easier than what it is now. You know, our, I think about our families. Um, you know. Even, you know, today there was a student who said, oh, he came in with his father and he was like, I have to, can I go on early study leave? Um, I'm not going to be able to do my exams. Um, we need 
financial support and I, I've managed to find a job and I need to do this for our family. You know, like, and that's, that's quite hard. It's really heartbreaking because this is a kid who's, um, you know, only year 12. You know, and, and, and potentially if he wants to go into further training later, it's going to be that much more of a struggle to get back into study, to get access to the courses. Um, you know, like, yeah, so there's, there's so, only so much you can do and you sit there and you see these things happen and you're like, oh, I can't, yeah, that is what it is. It's, it's sad and we try and support them. We've got a great careers team though. Like, so I managed to get this young, one, one young fellow said to me, like, look, I know you were interested in, you know, this kind of trade. Let's just go and have a bit of a chat. So if there was an opportunity next year and you wanted to do some courses and if it, things, you know, turn up for the better, then this might be an option for you. And that the, the careers team were amazing, sat with them, had a really good chat with them, tentatively enrolled him for next year, you know, just in case things might change, you know. So, so it's really great that we've got some amazing staff who do go above and beyond and don't just look at the student as a, I need to get you 14 credits. I need to get you your literacy or your numeracy. It's actually there's a holistic picture for that kid and what's happening for them. Mm. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihi aroha nui, kia koutou, kotaha I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars and beloved universes. And I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day, who you are, a triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us for the last almost two years we've been under considerable stress and strain We've had so much to process and deal with every day as things have changed around us. And what was so familiar and often taken for granted has shifted beneath our feet. And of course, for all of us, we've had to develop new ways of doing, being, seeing, feeling to deal with this. And it's so important to remember to be kind to ourselves and each other, to be gentle with ourselves and each other as we navigate this new reality that we're all sharing and of course as a species we have done this many times and all life that has made our life possible that's come before us has also shared in this process of recalibration and survival so I really hope for you that you can have a sense of all you have achieved in making each day work for you as best you can and of course as a species not only are we so adaptable and from a long lineage of adaptable survivors but we're also innately creative and creativity takes as many forms as life does each of us are innately creative and sharing something new with the world in every moment whether it's within us in our consciousness or whether it is externally expressed this creative energy is always with us and it can be a great comfort at times of change and uncertainty like the ones we find ourselves in now 
if we can take the time to really slow down and appreciate the present moment, the beauty that surrounds us, the interactions that we have, the thoughts that we're having, all of these are rich sources of inspiration for our creative process. I, of course, feel very fortunate that I'm still able to work with my education groups at my heart's home workplace, Otokanui Eco Sanctuary, and the spontaneity and the, the sense of wonder, the sense of magic that we all know is there is so potently expressed by the young and they are so confident to express it, which is wonderful and I'm very lucky to work with them. And at times like this, if we can remember different ways that we have perceived the world over time, that can be a great comfort too. If we can remember times in our lives when we looked at the world with wonder and trust and attempt to do that again, I think that can be very helpful for us. <clears throat> so I really hope for you today that you can have the opportunity to explore your world in a new way. As I talk to you, I'm driving out to beautiful Mosgiel to collect more bird feeder parts and I'm driving through this huge fog and mist. It's very beautiful and as I drive through it, more and more lush green trees emerge and these cars are driving on the motorway and their little eyes are twinkling at me. And it's really quite humbling to see where we're at, that despite all of the stress and strain, and despite all of the change that's happening, our beautiful world is still there for us to love. And our beautiful world is still there loving us, supporting us. And that reciprocity is a wonderful source for creative inspiration as well. So thank you all for everything you're doing every day. I hope that your day brings you lots of new things to enjoy and wonder at. And I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much. Kakite. <laughs> Excuse the sound of elephants running through my house. <laughs> I know. Working online from home is great. That's what we learned during um, lockdown. As you're not just working from home, you're actually your home is right there <laughs> with you at the I meeting a, i had a board meeting today and i warned the person i was having a meeting with well, the group i was having a meeting with that jack would be arriving any second and he would come running in to tell me about the day and hug me and um and the ceo of the organization that i'm on the board for said that is her favorite thing that happens when jack comes home because he just comes in and gives me these huge big hugs and starts talking and i'm like stop talking we talk about kids and their futures all the time um on mm -hmm. this on the show we ask pretty much everybody the, the same question and that is that we have got um, kids with extraordinary challenges the likes of which we never saw um, mm. and with climate change biodiversity loss um, COVID uh, and the future of work and how that's changing 
um, and just so many things. And I see them as these blocks that make this big wall that they somehow have to navigate to get to their future. How do mm. we enable them to, to find their way through that successfully? Ah, uh, wow, that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> that's a good one. Um, <clears throat> it's like one of those wicked problems. There's no magic bullet. There's no pull this thread and it will completely unravel. There's so many different variations and different aspects um, to that. And I think one of the, yeah, yeah, throughout my time as an educator, one of, you know, there's been certain um, sayings or different, you know, corridor that has really resonated with me. And one of the really key ones is um, when we've done that culturally responsive and relational pedagogy mahi, and thinking about you know, that, you know, I always think back to the five, I think there's six principles now, but I always think of five. Gosh, there's going to be a test if I can remember them all. But, you know, the, the one that I think, you know, as educators, we have so much power. Um, we have the power to lift students up or to slam them down and create barriers. And so when I think about being culturally responsive, it's about thinking about having high, you know, we say high expectations of our students. And I, I've seen that used in a way like a, like a stick to hit people with. <laughs> I have high expectations of you, so you're going to do it like how I tell you to, when I tell you to, how I tell you to do it, which just creates more and more barriers for students. So when I think about um, having high expectations of our students, you know, as you say, there's an in, it looks like an insurmountable wall standing in front of them. Having high expectations of, of students for me is about thinking about you have the opportunity to be the best that you can be. What does that look like for you? How can I support you to be that version? Um, when we layer, when we layer the socio-economic um, climate that we live in around these students, it does create barriers. Sometimes I think they don't see that. You know, we put that in front of them, and we, you know, like we'll have a student say, "Oh, I want to be a doctor," and we go, "Oh, really? Because you only got a um, four P for your maths." Yes, so if you're going to think about being a doctor, you're going to have to really do that. You know, like we squash, and, we, and then we say, "Yes, we have high expectations of you." Um, because you know, like yeah, it's, it's a balance maybe of something that let the kids dream. Stop trying to pop their bubbles and say, "Yes, but what about?" Yes, but what about? You know, let's just let them navigate, let them find their way. One of the things I guess um, my family have taught me is that. Um, their job is, has never been to tell me what to do or how to do it, but to let me go and explore. And when I fall over, they dust me off, pick me up, dust me off, and then send me on, you know, give me a hug, and then send me on my way again. And that's what I think as educators we should be doing. When these kids want to make change to grow, you know, if they want to change, you know, the global um, climate change and, and impact that, let them. Don't keep saying, oh, but you have to do it like this. And, oh, you have to write these letters. And then you'll have to do a march just like this. They're so creative if we would just let them and leave them alone. Stop layering them on with our own issues. You know, like even um, I love um, I love some of our students who like to ch have challenging conversations around racism in class, in school. You know, how there's so much institutional racism in our education sector, that makes it pretty difficult for our Māori students to be able to get through that because sometimes they don't have the language to articulate how things are making them feel or how oppressed they, they might feel because they've just been told they can't go into that class or they can't do this because of that. You know, let our kids dream. Let, 
Let us support them. That should be our number one job. Having high expectations isn't about telling them how to do it and when to do it, and they have to be an excellence student in order to do it. Um, you know, I've got friends that weren't excellent students, but they were hard workers. And some of them, you know, different students are different. Eh? Like, oh, you can't do that. Oh, well, I'm going to show you, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that, you know, and then they get, you know, but other kids, we say you can't do that and they, they believe it. And if they hear that enough, then they're going to believe it. You know, we have um, interesting conversations sometimes where we talk about literacy levels and uh, low achievement of Māori and literacy and numeracy and NCA and, you know, blah, 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 blah. I love listening to uh, the kōrero around some Kiaroha College in Auckland where these kids talked about, you know, get to know me before you start talking about my literacy level. My first day at high school and they wanted to test my literacy level so they could determine my pathway for me. You don't know me. You don't know my hopes, my dreams. You don't know my family, what they want for me. Now, these are the things that, these. I think those are the barriers that we put up in front of kids. And those are the, yeah, that's what makes it hard for them. I've been recently working with a learner who, uh, in his driver's licence, and he had a significant barrier that was impacting on his, um, he could not read or write. And mm-hmm. um, and uh, somebody brought him to me and said, can you help him get a driver's licence? And my first question from to him was, do you want your driver's licence? He said, yeah. yes. I said, cool, let's get your driver's licence then. Four hours mm-hmm. later, two two-hour sessions, he passed his test. And it is just like that. First of all, yeah. you have to want it, and we have to yeah. teach our kids to to give them give them the um, not permission, but the enable them to want the future to dream, want yeah. and tell them that they can have it. Imagining yeah. the future. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. And that, and that's the thing. Like I know, um, oh, I think my family were just shaking their head at me recently because I've been studying um, this year. I've been studying Pinakitano um, Tereo, so that's a level seven Rangatira course to try and, you know, whakapakari tōku reo, so get get more confident in using my reo. And um, so that's been pretty full on, and I'm working full time. Um, decided, uh, so I do waka ama as well, so I've been was gutted when lockdown happened last year because I cancelled the world, and I was all set to go to Hawaii last year. Um, and so then I've decided to aim for the next world, which is next year. So I've started training for that. And then I thought, oh, there's a, um, yeah, so it's pretty busy family. This is what I'm doing. This is it. And they're like, yes, yes, we'll support you. And then I said, oh, look, so I'm going to pick up a master's paper uh, start uh, last week. And um, just to, you know, and, and not once did my family go, oh, how the bloody hell do you think you're going to do that? You know, you've got kids, you've got a job, you've got financial commitments, you're now training and you've got this course. You're not going to be able to do that. They were just like, cool, how can we help? What do you need us to do? Do you want me to take the kid to her swimming lessons? Do you, um, you know, like there was never, like, and, and that's how I feel I've been able to do and be, um, do the things that I wanted to do, even when it's just about killed me. But having that support and having that backup and, and if, if our teachers across our country could could do that without the uh, you know like really Tui what are you up to you should not be taking that extra paper on you cannot manage where are you going to have the hours in the day to do that <laughs> yeah and I think if somebody had if one person had actually said that to me I probably would have gone yeah no you're right yeah no I'll just I just won't do it no no I won't do it Thanks. I'm glad they didn't say it then very <laughs> oh, glad they didn't 
yeah. That's why I was like, stay tuned for the next exciting episode of Crazy. <laughs> Let's squeeze in the second of your music choices. Let's have Rob Ruha's 35. Why this one? Oh, um, I love the East Coast, State Highway 35. So uh, we're the beginning before it hits to State Highway 35. But my, um, my husband is from uh, Waipiro Bay, and around that sort of area of State Highway 35. So every, in the last like five summers, I think we've spent cruising along State Highway 35. So I just love how the song recognises the people along there, the places along there. Um, it's really catchy. The kids like to do their TikTok to it. I still don't know the moves. They've been trying to teach me. Apparently, I'm not very coordinated in TikTok, um, which I'm okay about. So yeah, that's why.
Tori, we've seen lots of changes in society over the last couple of years. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? In terms of like what's been happening with the um, COVID? Yeah, with the COVID and the, well, yeah, and the response to it and, and how society has changed. Do we have a new normal? All those mm. sorts of things. Mm. I do love... I do love that people have been forced to stay in New Zealand and therefore they go on holidays in New Zealand and being able to appreciate our own country a bit more, I think would be great because um, I do like Papa Tuanuku is amazing and she nourishes us and she provides for us in so many different ways. And I think that the way our lifestyle of previously to COVID um has been impacting the earth. I think that having people stay home and not do as much, not, not as much international travel, although I do miss wanting to paddle in the waters of Hawaii or Tahiti. Um, you know, like there's something to be said for just appreciating. Like I, I think over this time, I've definitely learned to appreciate more the impact of humans on our own harbour here. And, you know, like I've noticed a whole lot more in terms of the starfish now. Like I, you know they're a pest and they're killing off our seafood in the harbour and there's things that we could be doing that I can be doing that will support that so I think I, I would like to see people keep appreciating um Papatunuku and and nature I guess I think I remember at the first lockdown and people there was a video that came out where people sort of said um you know, because everybody been staying home, you know, different things were happening, like smog was clearing in places. And, um, you know, it was just a, a nicer, healthier way of living. People were biking everywhere, less petrol and, you know, less pollutants going in the water. I know as a paddler, um, I don't know how nice it is to say this, but as a paddler, like I go out on the Whakatane boat ramp sometimes and it's just, it's just a, a, a layer of oily, yucky stuff from all the boats coming in and out. And that's, that's going in our that you know that river used to be used to be able to drink from that river. You look at it now, you're like, ooh, yuck. You go further up the river, it's still beautiful, crystal clear, and then you come closer to Fakatane and then right to the heads, and it's it's just gross. And that's that's more of us, you know, like just pouring pollutants into our water. So I didn't think I would come up with that answer. I thought I would come up with something about being kind, but actually that's where my head went. <laughs> I have some oh. questions to end the show with what is the biggest mm-hmm. success you've had in the last couple of years um <laughs> i just uh, um the biggest success um that nobody in my household got killed during covid lockdown no um <laughs> no i think uh the biggest success would be probably just connecting more with my family like we had to find my extended family so during the first lockdown we started doing little dance challenges so I've got uh, my my mum's side of the family I think we've got about 50 something first cousins and about 70 something on dad's side of the family so you know we've found other ways to connect with our family who are not right here overseas all around New Zealand and we do dance challenges um, we have kahoot game nights um, yeah just just things like that that we didn't used to do before so, yeah, I love. And if it I love takes that. a if it takes a global pandemic to encourage that sort of thing, then maybe that's what it takes. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. 
What's the superpower oh, that's got you into the mansion? I would say being grumpy. No, I don't know. Um, uh, um, I don't think I do anything any more or less than other people. I think uh, what's my superpower? Um, being grumpy. See, my kid just said being grumpy. <laughs> I know. What is my superpower? I don't think it's and annoying, she says. Um, I don't um, – determined. How about that? When I set a goal and and see that that's where we're going, then I will work my butt off to make sure that that's what we we get, whether that's for me, whether it's for my kids or our school, whatever. I'm very determined. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? I don't think so, no. I just do what I think is right and hold to that <laughs> and hold other people to that. Is that an activist? Is it? I reckon. <laughs> is it really? Okay, I must be, yeah. So what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? There's a couple things. Um, I want, I, yeah, it's, I want, oh gosh, this is pretty hard. I want my future generations, so my uri, my descendants, my mokopuna, to have and be able to do what they want in terms of, you know, like when I think about the education side of things, I don't want my kids and my mokopunas to be told they can't do something or they're less than because of anything, you know, somebody else's attitudes towards them. So I want to try and make change so that my future mokopuna are able to access what they should have as their birthright. You know, like they they need to be able to do what they want and be able to achieve that. And I think um, the thing that really influences me to do that is my grandparents. My grandparents, I loved my grandparents. I was so lucky. I had like six grandparents because I had a stepfather and I got his his parents too. And they they really, that's what they wanted for me. And they were always really clear about um, how important, you know, to manaki your, your family, to manaki your whenua and to always um, afi each other. And if I can do that for my own kids and for the students that are in my school, you know, that's all part of an extended family. So, yeah, my grandparents are hugely influential in what it is that I do. Sometimes when I get stuck or if there's a bit of a, if things aren't going well or if there's a bit of conflict and that sort of thing, I always sort of stop and think, what would my grandfather say here? What would my grandmother do? Um, even when it gets, even, and if it gets even harder, I go and visit them at the early part and then go, what am I supposed to do here? You know, um, so even though they're not here, the memory of them and what they wanted for us as a family and um, and who the people that they were really influences me and in, in what, what it is I do, not just in my family, but in my school life um, as well. If I could go, if, if, if and when I die, if I can scooch into heaven, because I'm going to heaven, if I could, you know, skate in there and I can face up to my grandparents and I can stand up and say to them, um, you know, I did as you taught me. And if they could be proud of me for that, then that's all that I would want. You know, that's that's how I hold myself accountable. What challenge or opportunity are you looking forward to in the next year or two? <laughs> so I... Um, I'm... <laughs> This is yeah. I'm hopeful that Worlds is going to go ahead next year. I know that they are still planning it, and they had the Olympics. So I do Wakaama outrigger canoeing, and um, it's yeah. I want that's what I'm most hopeful for. I'm most hopeful that Worlds will go ahead, and that I get to go and compete in London. I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, and because um, I've 
yeah, that's, that would be really awesome if I could do that. And I want to finish my master's. Yeah. Just a couple of things. Just a couple of things. Just a couple of things. Both of them sound awesome. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Um, when Marwera messages you. <laughs> 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 Always no, say um, yes. Say yes, because it'll be awesome. Um, no, it, it has been awesome. A um, couple of words of advice: um, just look after yourselves. Look after each other. You're no good to anybody if you're broken. Um, so it is important to look after yourself. Sometimes it, it can be hard when you, like, especially if you're in education, you you give a lot of yourself, um, and it's also important to balance to balance your life with a bit of you time and, and whatever way that might be, you know, some people think it, you know, like to get out gardening and that's their, their them time. Um, I love getting out on the water and just, you know, an hour, an hour once a day, or even if it's, if I, you know, every second day, if I have to, because it's the one place that I don't have somebody going, mum, 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 or, or, <laughs> or miss, 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 fire, fire, fire. Or, you know, like wifey, 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 do this, do that. You know, there's people put demands on your time and you actually have to um, make sure that you have that space for yourself to re-energize and do what it is that makes your heart sing because that way the rest of the 23 hours aren't so hard in the day if you've had that one hour to yourself. Um, to, to be kind to yourself, to look after yourself. Sometimes I think we are our worst our own worst enemy because we can be quite critical. That internal voice in your head um, can be quite critical of yourself. So just be kind to yourself. That sounds good to me. I think I'm going to go for a swim. Mawera. <laughs> Tui, um, working on the fringes of education, I get to hear all the stories and um, you are held in such high regard, not just by your colleagues, but also by your learners and your learners' families and we we are so lucky to have you teaching in our community and you're such an amazing role model for the teachers and the learners equally thank you for the commitment that you've made to educating our kids and um it's just been a real joy to have you on the show today thank you oh, oh thank you Marietta. i feel quite i feel quite blessed to be here thank you their safe spaces around the world brought to you by the sustainable lens team which is brought to you by otago polytechnic we broadcast on otago access radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz you can find us on facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts 
We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Molotov Jukebox. Give it a go. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Baden with Mwera Karatai in Fokotani. And from Kutariri, we've been joined by Tui McCall. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.